Hello and welcome to Clabbercast, your weekly discussion of all things cinema. I believe this is episode 61, but don't quote me on that. We have a packed agenda this week and we stayed inside. Luckily, we didn't go out and get COVID or the Delta variant. Cases are rising, but still there's plenty of films on streaming and we're going to be covering those today. But first, let's introduce who is here with me today. It's not just me talking alone in a void. We have our birthday boy, Paul Price. How are you doing, Paul? Um, good. I was supposed to see old tonight, but then I felt the depression of turning 30 and I was like, this is not, this is not happening. So I canceled my, uh, early screening of that (laughs) would have been iconic though. Like literally the movie got out at like 1150 and I was like, I would just be walking out of this movie about, Hey, you're going to die someday. And then walk out and it'd be like, Hey, all my text messages from friends. Happy 30th, old man, with little like emojis. And I was like, nope. You're alone getting out of the theater about getting (laughs) old. Just like (laughs) hobbling out of the theater. (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe it wouldn't have been as iconic. Actually, I probably would have cried. So (laughs) good on you, actually. Um, We have Alina, who I don't think it's your birthday, but still time to celebrate. You should know when my birthday is. Don't you remember the mummy on Ketchup? I do. It was a God. meme. It was a meme for the podcast, Alina. Okay. And you were born okay. January fifteenth or something. I know. It's mm-hmm. like April or May, okay. somewhere around there. It's April. Wow! First okay. guess, guys. You should know me better than that. Okay. When is my uh, birthday, I'm Alina? Gonna... It's in February. God damn right? it! <laughs> Fuck you! I know my friends. <laughs> um, I'm doing good. I am, you know, just blazing through Supernatural. I like got through season three in um, a very short amount of time because I'm a slacker at my job. Uh, I'm like halfway through season four right now. So that's what I've been doing the past week, you know, just hanging out with my hoes, talk girl summer is still in full force. Got lots of dates this week. So, you know, living my best life. Oh, theaters are finally open in Ontario. Haven't gone yet, but God bless. Things... Or turning around. See, a reason to celebrate. Theater. What did I say? It's a great week. <laughs> um, but no, we're not going to go to theaters this week. Let's stay indoors. And first, let's start out with HBO Max. Let's load it up with their newest a day and day in release with Space Jam, A New Legacy. Paul, I feel like you're probably old enough to where you've seen the first one. Did you like that? Did you like this one? What, what is your thoughts on this? So um, I talked about this in my letterbox review, but it's weird I remember Space Jam for like three things and it's that um, it has R. Kelly's I Believe I Can Fly which like the Space Jam song now is what people remember but as a kid I think everyone knew I Believe I Can Fly as the Space Jam song Um, and then these two really horrific transformation scenes one's with the Monstars or whatever they're called and the other is with um, the uh, Wayne Knight's character as he's uh, crushed by one of the characters and then they inflate him and it's a horrible like 90s CGI and it like I remember as a child really screwed me up Um, so that's like all I remembered about that movie so I went and rewatched it recently and it is truly terrible and I think taking that into consideration moving on to a new legacy uh, makes it not as bad as I was expecting. I still, you know, didn't enjoy myself, but there are moments that were pretty fun. Um, basically, it's 
the Space Jam story again um, with uh, worse acting and a star that, uh, I don't know if it's controversial. I feel like he's not as big as Michael Jordan was at the time. Uh, I was talking to one of my friends and I was like, yeah, it just seems like uh, you would have gone with maybe even like a football player because I feel like the 90s were more about basketball. Um, like a lot of people liked it. And now I feel like football's just taken over and basketball's kind of in the back. Um, I don't know if that's just the friends and stuff I have or whatever, but um, yeah, so it felt like kind of a rehash. Um, I'm interested to talk to you guys about how this one fits as a sequel because it doesn't. Um, and, you know, uh, but overall, it was less bad than I thought it was going to be. However, it is truly terrible. So, but it wasn't like the trash fire that I was uh, hoping for, I guess. Um, what do you guys think? Um, yeah, I also thought it was bad, but not as bad as everyone else was saying. And I think it's because I went in with like such exceedingly low expectations because this seems like one of the most hated movies of the year. Um, I really liked the Space Jam movie, like the original one when I was growing up. I watched it like all the time. I watched it a couple months ago um, as like for my first time as like an adult. And yeah, it's like not amazing, but I still like enjoyed it for like the nostalgia reasons. And I really liked the Looney Tunes. Like I watched a shit ton of Looney Tunes when I was a kid. Like that was my jam. Uh, I didn't even mean to make that a pun, but I did. Um, so yeah, I'd be like... I was kind of, in a way, I was looking forward to this, but, like, with super low expectations. I do agree with Paul that, like, um, it's kind of weird to just, like, do basketball right now. And I kind of think if they had done a different sport, it probably would have, like, worked better. Um, because it definitely is just, like, a rehash of the first, except it's, like, more video gamey. And then it's just, like, Warner Brothers showing off all the, like, intellectual property they own. Um some of those references were just too much like Yosemite Sam playing the piano in Casablanca I was like I can't do this but like the Mad Max one with Wiley like holds a fucking cardboard sign that says witness me that was funny so like it's like a rehash of the first movie with a lot of terrible references but there's like two very good references I'm like whatever like everyone's gonna forget about this yeah I I do think that like when it was funny, like, and knew it was funny, it was a lot better. I was, I was telling you guys in the group chat that it really felt like there was like one writer who did some of the punch up that was like on fire. Cause there were certain times that I was like, yep, that feels like a good joke. Yep. That's right. Um, and it's funny, uh, the, actually the Wiley Coyote Mad Max thing, like, uh, became like a viral video where people were making fun of it. And actually the viral videos recently where people are like, oh my God, this is insane, which I usually find really funny. I have every time been like, why are people making fun of this? Same with the Black Widow one that everyone was like, look at the special effects. They're so bad. I'm like, they're not that bad. <laughs> this, this was actually pretty funny. Like it is so bonkers. And I think it understand exactly the witness me, the, um, the fact that it's Roadrunner running around with the Mad Max. There's just clever things in that. Um, that if we're going to do that, but then you look at um, the basketball game specifically, uh, some of the references in that were hysterically bad. Um, 
the amount of Batman characters that are in that. Um, <laughs> and like uh, someone said, they all look like bad cosplayers. And that's just a hundred percent true. Like uh, specifically the Mr. Freeze, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and the guy looks nothing like Arnold Schwarzenegger whatsoever. Um, it's just so odd. It would have been better if they had done something with 3D in the background and just had, you know, all these characters in 3D behind them uh, instead of trying to do anything live action. Yeah, but the Michael Jordan bit was pretty good there, wasn't it? Um, as someone, good. despite being a star basketball player throughout my elementary school career, um, I played basketball, wasn't that great. Um, I never liked basketball, never really was into it. Never saw Space Jam until a couple weeks ago when I did it for Classic Clappercast, and I hated that film with a passion. So I really was like, I, to the point where I offered everyone, why don't we just not do Space Jam 2? Why don't we just not watch this one? Why don't we just skip over it? It's a busy week anyway, but no, we had to do this. And I will say, it's not good, but I was pleasantly surprised by how much decency there was in it. A lot of the references, especially in that beginning portion where they're jumping around from planet to planet, I found to be quite funny. I found the Casablanca stuff to be funny. I found the Mad Max to be funny. I found the Matrix to be like, fine. Maybe they weren't like hysterical, but I thought they were fine. I thought it was like, okay, this is decent enough comedy. Uh, don't get why kids would like this. They don't know what any of these things are, but like good enough. Was a little confused by the fact that Space Jam, the original film exists as a film in the universe of Space Jam 2, that was a little confusing to me. Um, but yeah, as soon as you get to the basketball game, it's the same as the first film. I don't care. It becomes like genuinely horrible um, outside of the Michael Jordan moments. Um, but as a kid's film, like, is it good? No. Is it the worst of the year? Like I was expecting though, I would I would also say no to that also. That didn't sound right, but um, you know what I mean. Wait, wait, I have a question. When is... Space Jam the movie referenced as a movie in the when he's doing the meeting and they're showing all the posters of all the movies they own and all the movies they could put them into Space Jam flies in and that's when I texted you I said oh Space Jam exists as a movie in Space Jam 2 okay so that actually doesn't help at all no with my question but also adds more questions <laughs> yes because they reference throughout this movie that's Space Jam happened. Um, uh, even the Michael Jordan, uh, Michael B. Jordan joke. Um, but <laughs> if you watch the first movie, Toon, uh, Toon World uh, exists inside the Earth. But in this one, it exists in the server verse, but they're the same characters living on two different planes of existence, apparently. And it really like, it was one of those things when they started referencing the first movie and I realized that they were connected kind of well started to literally hurt my brain. I was really sitting there and I was like, I'm sorry. What? It's like one of those things when someone tries to explain quantum physics to you at like a bar and like something just breaks inside you. I just, I was so uncomfortable <laughs> by the concept of this like tune world existing in, uh, you know, inside the server verse and i was like wait so are we in the server verse is the server verse no because then it's like you know uh like russian doll style there's a smaller one or like turtles all the way down situation 
<laughs> it wasn't so much worried about that because I did actually find a shocking amount of joy in the idea of like there was this really horrible poaching they did of like where they went out to the universe where the like planets were and they like forcibly sucked them into the server vort first and it was like this just tragic like just destroying their planet for some reason I found a lot of joy in like Bugs Bunny being hunted and sucked into a computer but maybe that's just me I don't know I enjoyed that thought because we've established you can get from the real world into the server verse, right? Because LeBron does it. Was it LeBron? Let me make sure it's LeBron. Is it LeBron? Yeah. Yeah. It shows how <laughs> much I know about basketball, basketball right? Player. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Um, one of three I can name, so good for him. Um, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. So is it is it a documentary, maybe? The original Space Jam? Because that seems weird also that they would like prove the existence of well i guess that's what they're saying is that that was secretly a documentary everyone said was fiction but really it was documentary yeah no it's it's one of those things that you like i'm telling you if you start trying to follow the logic of the worlds in this movie it'll it'll destroy you um (laughs) which uh is probably the most interesting thing that happens in it it is wild though the one thing that we haven't discussed this runtime is two hours and I watched um, I was watching on my iPad and my family was like in the living room and they just keep looking at me being like, you're still watching this. And (laughs) um, I got so distracted so many times during this, this took me all day to watch. I was like, I'd be like, Oh, I have to go clean the bathroom, I guess. And I was joyous to go do it. And I wasn't hating the movie. It just, three minutes and I was like I'm good I can I cannot con uh, like understand how people could uh sit through this in a theater <laughs> it would be especially children this is a long movie for kids um and again know, the references they won't know so the point of this movie and why it's funny is not for kids yeah oh well and that feels like that feels like the same as the um you know uh, Shrek jokes back in 2001. Uh, that is one of the weirdest things is using Matrix. And I understand there's a new movie coming out, but using the exact same joke for Matrix that you used in Shrek literally two decades ago is like a really interesting look into how stagnated our culture kind of is. Um, and I'm not exactly sure why tons of new things are coming out even with the Warner brothers. Um, and yet, uh, you know, they seem to have chosen everything that was kind of like dated, even like Mad Max, you could say, Oh, it's the new movie, but that's a series from the (laughs) eighties. They could have given Um, us Jared Leto from the little things just like wandering around in here. Just with a heart on. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. There's like also a part when they're like going on to like studio lot or something. And there's a poster of Scoob then scooby-doo is also something that's like existed for like years and years and years there's nothing there's no actually new references actually and that's one of the things that's um a little surprising is you had all of all of warner brothers to go with and you chose things like you know to your point elena casablanca and you know the matrix even mad max is a weird choice when you have I mean, they only casually uh, stop by Harry Potter and Game of Thrones and, you know. Austin Powers. Why would you put that in a kid's movie? That's weird. Well, and there's no joke. (laughs) 
It's yeah. uh, the, I guess the joke is that Sylvester's been, um, you know, shaved, but that's such a small, weak joke. Um, just overall doesn't really, there's nothing to it. But um, yeah, you just have huge properties with them. And that's what they chose is uh, mind boggling to me. Um, when, yeah, I would think that any of the Game of Thrones people, you could have paid to come back for a cameo to do something with them, um, which seems like such a larger cultural juggernaut than um, than this. I agree. I will say the visuals I thought were pretty decent, at least for the most part. I think a lot of the CGI looked fine. A lot of the characters looked good. I, I, I thought the visuals in this impressed me to a decent amount. Maybe it's just because I have PTSD to when they folded uh, Michael Jordan into a basketball in the first film. And that genuinely was one of the scariest <laughs> things I've ever seen. Maybe it's just because no, they don't do that. But That's the thing. This The first movie has a lot of very weird things, um, which I know we're not talking about that one. But this one doesn't. It is a lot cleaner than anything. And not just clean in the humor and stuff. Um, although I will say... Uh, Don Cheadle transforming into a CGI version of literally Don Cheadle was one of the weirdest things I've seen in a while. He, for the opening of that, he does not change his appearance at all. He just slightly grows and turns CGI, um, which seems like something you could have very easily done in post and not had to create some like model that's, you know, uncanny valley. He, Don Cheadle is having a great time in this movie and it feels like other than the Looney Tunes he's the only one that is like I know LeBron James isn't an actor but holy shit dude I feel like Michael Jordan did a way better job <laughs> yeah uh, LeBron really struggles um, in this mm-hmm. uh, okay so, so serious I'm like this is a cartoon so what, who would you have cast um, if you were going to choose a sports person because i think we're actually a good choice to talk about this because we don't really know sports all that much so like well they (laughs) said they want to make number three with the rock and do wrestling i think that could be a lot of fun hell yeah i'm i'm down for that i'm fucking 100 million percent on board with that um (laughs) i was i was saying that um i'm surprised actually they didn't do football with brady i wouldn't have liked it is brady that like charismatic is LeBron James okay, <laughs> replacing him? Let's not replace shit with shit. Like I wouldn't. I know, no, but yeah, I'm saying like the only like other Tom football Brady player I bigger. know isn't Gronk yeah. more charismatic. I don't know who that really is, but like I think he's more. That's charismatic. the thing. That's the thing. Yeah, um, but I think, or it would probably be one of the Mannings, but they just got their own show apparently. Um, but yeah, I think there's only like a couple of stars who are that big like in terms of sports right now um or choose you know uh, one of the olympians or something uh yeah (laughs) soccer with that u.s women's team could be fun they're very charismatic that's true yeah those soccer um, sucks or or messy or something those guys are massive especially like worldwide football football sucks uh, I actually especially love... if you're in the UK because you can't fucking beat Italy, but you know, side point. I uh, I actually, uh-huh. 
I actually love um, <laughs> soccer. It's kind of my favorite sport to watch. Um, it's only you because... enjoy watching the World Cup. I get into the hype. Yeah, well, not just oh, that. I, like, I watch it for the men, but okay. <laughs> uh, no, I just, I like a sport that if I'm going to watch, it's going to keep my attention. Um, things like baseball, I cannot kicking, comprehend. Kicking a ball around a field grabs your attention. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it's the best. I just like Let's hockey and wrestling. Yeah, hockey well, is the best. Yeah. Baseball's fun to go to live, depending where you are, just to hang out with the friends. Mm-hmm. But like hockey is the best. It's short. Hockey is pretty great. They fight. They I feel score. Like, um, Space Jam, like hockey could be fun, but I don't think there's like anybody like in hockey that is like a big personality. I don't, I don't think there's been a big hockey star since like Mike Madonna, maybe Wayne Gretzky, but <laughs> yeah, like Sidney Crosby is big, but like he's so private that nobody knows anything about him and he seems like a very serious dude. Okay, um, do like them with the Mighty Ducks then make it to where the fiction, the person helping them is fictional. Who cares? Mm. The Jamaican bobsledding just... team. Let's go. What movie is that from? Um, cool Runnings. Cool yeah, Runnings. Cool Runnings. Let's go. Uh, was that your um, post-test movie too? We had I've two in. That. Oh, in high school we had really? two movies. Uh, we mm-hmm. had two movies. Like if we finished the test early, they'd put it on, and it was either that or Princess uh, Bride. And the funny thing about it, apparently, also there was a rumor that Ruby was one of them too. But I never got Ruby the entire time I was in high school. Um, but what was funny is uh, I now hate The Princess Bride and also Cool Runnings because I would see sometimes we'd go into class and it'd be like class, class, class. And it'd be like, uh, <laughs> you know, finish the test. Okay, we're going to watch the first 15 minutes of Cool Runnings. And then you go to the next class and you watch the first 15 minutes of Cool Runnings. And like, I have seen the first 15 minutes of both of those movies, probably in the upwards of like 200 times. And like, (laughs) so my friends will try to put on Princess Bride and I'm like, I know it's good, but just like those first couple lines where like Fred Savage is being like annoying to his grandfather, I cannot handle. (laughs) Like when he's like, is this a girly book or there's, there's kissing? I'm like, shut up, shut up. My school didn't do that. Like, if you finish a test early, you fucking sat in there. Like, when we watched movies, we would, like, watch them over a couple of days. I remember in ninth grade, we watched Shakespeare in Love, which was kind of weird for a 14-year-old. I remember the teacher, like, stood in front of the TV when, like, one of Paltrow's, like, titties came on screen. screen. Yep. We watched Games we of did. New York, and we had to skip the sex scene towards the end. We, uh... <laughs> But we just in watched because we were old enough to, or like young enough, I guess, that we had just our own personal computer. So like I watched all of Tuca and Birdie season one just after a test one day. It was good. Oh, you're so young. Uh, <laughs> that was a real moment for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was about to say we watched the original uh, Bill I the Science Guy while it was still on. Um, but uh, yeah, no. That was all. I forgot what I was going to say. It was something about uh, movies. Oh, we watched Amadeus in class, which I don't know if you've seen Amadeus, but I watched it in middle school. And I remember being like, that man just tried to commit suicide. That woman's breasts are out. And like the teacher just put it on. It was like, I went to a Christian private school. And so we were watching it for classical music day or whatever, but just like completely wild. Um, that also is the one movie that I feel like I need to rewatch for my uh, best picture uh, winners thing. 
it's the only one that I'm like, mm, I kind of remember it. Uh, so I need to get to that actually now that I'm talking about it. See, in middle school, we didn't watch like movies, but our one of my teachers had a movie club at lunch where he brought in a bunch of DVDs and would let him allow us borrow them. And the next week we'd talk about them. But he really had no concern for like, should kids be watching this? So we watched Fight Club and like just a bunch of really adult movies with like full nudity, full sex, full drugs, full everything, like no care, which is definitely like looking back on it, a little bit of a choice, but like good on him, I guess. I like him. Sounds like a rad dude. Yeah. Um, We had the, in health class, we would watch the like um, miracle of birth video. And it was like this one from like the (laughs) seventies. It's like a full uh, bush. Yeah. (laughs) You, (laughs) yeah. And uh, there was uh, an incident with one of the boys. And so they had to start keeping the lights on. (laughs) after that <laughs> that's Ugh. what I always Ew. that's gross Ew. I love sex ed class it was so fun because everyone got so uncomfortable to where everyone moved back two rows except for <laughs> me and my best friend my lesbian friend named Del we sat front row front seat middle everyone else went all the way to back it was so fun well we uh we had um I don't know what yours guys what ours was abstinence only um, so they weren't allowed to teach us anything. Um, Our queen was so, crazy. She did DIY stuff, DIY dental dams, how oh to make God. them. She brought in did her own wooden dildo to help. Wooden, yeah, we did that too, the wooden penises. Yeah, we had, she started out by being like, okay, go on the board and write every word you can think of for dick or like, you know, whatever, penis. And I, me and her, were the my friend, were the only ones to get up. And we just wrote like, I wrote disco stick. And she was like, that was an interesting one. I was like, well... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had a whole, this is very on topic for our review of Space Jam 2 New Legacy. <laughs> um, but uh, we had, since we were doing abstinence only, that uh, we had this group come in that showed us all the diseases we could get. And it's funny because I usually think of myself as above that, but I do like know that that got ingrained in me. Uh, you know, I always like saw through all that sh- shit. But like when you saw, like, I mean, it was, we had to sign a waiver from our parents, but if we didn't go, we had to take a test instead. And so my parents signed it and it was literally just like the most graphic stuff. It was basically just like genital saw for like two straight days. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. <laughs> yeah, well, the best part is they'd have like these stories and it'd be like, you know, um, Gary decided to try gay sex and then he died of AIDS the next day. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Don't be Gary. King Gary King. <laughs> well, that was a tangent. <laughs> so Space Jam a New Legacy, uh, bad film. Actually, Let's- wait, I can wrap th- I can wrap this up back to uh Space Jam. Um uh, it is interesting talking about Space Jam compared to Space Jam 2. Um, is which it's not Space Jam 2, it's Space Jam the New Legacy or a new legacy, doesn't matter. Um Space Jam regardless of how insane it was, it was the movie to watch with friends. Um, You were so cool if you had Space Jam on uh, VHS. This, I do not see, like, I don't see how kids rewatch it. Um, In that, to your point, the references are too old, and I think that a lot of it uh, kind of won't work in the same way. I'll be interested to see how it does in the upcoming weeks. 
um, because things like Black Widow, as we saw, just completely dropped off uh, box office wise. And I don't know how this one's going to do. Um, I do like that uh, Warner Brothers said that it's the highest family friendly box office success. And everyone's like, what are every other movie that did better? <laughs> we should quickly mention how the director didn't see Space Jam 1 until like three days before production or three That's days before insane. filming. That is so funny to me. Oh, there's so many things that are crazy. Uh, Ryan Coogler made a deal with Warner Brothers and made two movies, this and Judas and the Black Messiah, um, and then got his brother on as a writer uh, onto this. Although I think I read that the original writer-director got fired like right before set started, and that's why the new guy came on. So, yeah, there was a lot of behind-the-scenes. That's what uh, somebody on Twitter said that they wish that there was an oral history of the creation of this movie because, you know, it's been in development for 20-something years. It's wild. Okay, so maybe a Space Jam New Legacy wasn't a great start for the week, but our friends Netflix definitely can turn this week around with Gunpowder Milkshake. At least I really hope they can. Uh, Alina, why don't you start with um, Gunpowder Milkshake? Was this better, at least, than a Space Jam New Legacy? like slightly better I guess I don't know I was like expecting a lot from Gunpowder Milkshake because like it's kind of a rad movie name and like there's a pretty rad cast in it you know like Karen Gillan or whatever her name is or girl Amy Pond I love to see her thriving um Lena Headey is in it Cersei from Game of Thrones there's like a bunch of other people that are like hey I recognize that person cool um, so like it has a really great cast. There's like um I forget like any of the characters' names, but like Karen Gillan's character plays like a hitman assassin girl thing, and her mom is like also that and like shit happens and like there's a little girl who's like the little girl from my spot. I don't know what fucking happened in this movie. Like it was just a lot and it felt like a knockoff of like a bunch of like other action movies. And, like, it has a lot of potential, and I feel like everything is there. Like, like the music was good. The production was, like, pretty, and, like, there's, like, a cast. But, like, for some reason, it just, like, didn't work for me, and I can't figure out why. But, like, I just had a rough time paying attention to this, unfortunately. So, I don't I know. It's just big disappointment. <laughs> I can uh, help you out with uh, why you couldn't get into it. It's because it was very bad. Uh yeah. <laughs> uh as much as I really wanted to like this um I went and saw it at the new Beverly which uh if you're not in LA is uh Quentin Tarantino's theater um and I wanted to go uh they had a screening with uh Karen Gillan and the director whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce um at doing a post you know talk and so I thought it'd be really fun to go to that uh the tickets were sold out by the time and I immediately grabbed other ones without thinking about the fact that A, they weren't going to be there. B, I wasn't that interested in this movie outside of that. Um, I just really miss a Q&A for some reason. I usually hate them. But uh, it was really interesting to watch this movie that was made for theaters, then was released on Netflix, but watch it in a theater setting, especially on a 35 millimeter print. Um, it was gorgeous, um, which was really cool. Um, but the new Beverly does, uh, like old trailers and 
that are connected to the movie. And they showed La Femme Nikita, um, The Long Kiss Goodnight, and um, Kill Bill Volume 1. And watching those trailers before and having those movies in your head and then watching this, you realized how much is just, you know, wholesale taken from those movies uh, in a way that's like really frustrating. And also you can feel, I don't know how in uh, correct order this movie was shot, but you can almost feel them getting bored of making this movie as the movie goes on. Like not just your like viewing experience, but literally them making at the beginning, like Karen Gillan's like dressed in this full, like spy outfit. And it's really like uh, stylistic and noir. And then by the end, it's like, this is just, I don't know, put her in a, <laughs> you know, put, put Michelle Yeoh in an eye patch. I don't fucking care. Just move on. <laughs> um, it was just really disappointing. Cause I thought, I was expecting this to be a movie that like I kind of liked, even when I saw that the reviews were kind of lower um, with action movies. I find that I actually like those more um, because I don't need a bunch of like emotionality, just like give me some cool violence and stuff. So this was, this was a disappointment for me. what did you think Carson? Yeah. And a running theme here with Netflix uh, films we're talking about today, not to get into spoilers, not a very big fan of this. Very clearly, this film is not worried. It's not concerned with having this great story that reinvents the wheel or anything. It's purely focus. It's pure inspiration is on aesthetic and just trying to make a fun aesthetic. And at times it works. There's like a scene where she goes to a library to get guns. And like, I found stuff like that. Okay, it's fun, but there's just nothing below that. There's nothing of substance here. There's nothing to really set this apart from the John Wicks, from the Atomic Blonde, from all other action films like this. It's just a very basic action film. It also doesn't help that I think Karen Gillian, and I've thought this for a long time now, is not good. She is not a good actress. She doesn't have charisma. She isn't good. No, um, I think she is good. Um, she isn't good in this, but uh, do you think she's going to Jumanji? She, I actually do think she works for Jumanji. I do think she plays it. I think she plays it like the character she's supposed sure. to be that, that kid, um, you know, a younger uh, nerd, basically. Um, she felt wooden in this. Yeah, it, uh, she it always almost does. <laughs> have you watched, I like her in Doctor, have you watched Who. Doctor Who? Uh, not her. Have seasons. you watched Doctor Who? Not her season. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well, see, that would. I do feel like Alina, okay. you're the same way as me. Like, no, she may not even be particularly good, but Amy Pond is like one of the best companions. Um, mm -hmm. so I will defend her. It's like Billy. Wait, actually, Piper. no, JK, I uh, have I've seen is she the one who is in the uh fuck. Matt Maybe I have seen her. her. I don't actually know. Yeah, I have seen her actually, she's JK, JK. She she calls him Raggedy Man. Yeah. Um, uh, she's yeah, fine. It's, but it's, then go back to Doctor Who. Don't be here with us. We're good without you. Um, <laughs> but it's like, uh, it's the same as Billy Piper, who no matter what she's in, I'm like, she was good. Like, uh, same with David Tennant. Uh, Matt Smith weirdly does not get that um, for me. He's fine. But I also think it's because I was, uh, even Christopher Eccleston, I'll be like, oh, I'm glad he, I'm glad Christopher Eccleston's going to be in Thor too. Won't that be good for him? <laughs> then I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, he's not really even in this. And also this is 
horrible. <laughs> you think Doctor Who allows a very specific type of like quirkiness and the world is fun enough naturally to where like, I feel like actors like Karen Gillian, and this is not offensive to her, but like to no credit of her own, work well in that world. It's when they're outside and the world is not naturally that interesting or charming and the characters themselves are not. And you don't have the Doctor who's a very charismatic character to play off of that a lot of them tend to just kind of fail. And the same thing with a lot of the doctors, to be fair. God, still so mad we never got a John Hurt doctor season, but not the point. Um, well, the funniest thing about that is that was supposed to be Christopher Eccleston. Um, oh. And then he didn't want to do it. So they John got Hurt John was Hurt. fucking baller. I was so uh, pumped. That was, like, that, was the, that was like my prime moment in Doctor Who. I think that's around when I quit. I quit during... Um, the Clara season. Um, yeah, me too. I, or I think Coleman. I quit like right before Peter Capaldi. I Sorry. quit after Peter. I quit at Peter Capaldi because I don't like Peter Capaldi in the role. I hated him. So I was like, fuck uh, Well, what's funny is I didn't want to watch um, the Jenna Coleman season because my best friend was dating a girl named Jenna who I didn't like. And every time I saw the name, <laughs> it made my stomach hurt. And so I tried it and I was like, can't do this. Um, has anyone tried period. the new doctor um the the one? Oh, i played no. a video <laughs> game set in that era so she was in it a little bit um but like uh no um i didn't like her in uh fucking what's it called the um you know what i'm talking about uh olivia coleman david tennant it, the show was called Broadchurch, um, and it's fantastic. The oh, first okay. season, of, really, it's why Olivia Coleman is who she is right now. I mean, so it's if Dave Olivia Coleman's in it, I assume it's good. To be fair, uh, yeah, it's uh, David Tennant and Olivia Coleman uh, investigating the murder of a little boy, um, and the new Doctor Who character. Oh, and the current showrunner of Doctor Who created Broadchurch. Uh, that's what he moved hmm. on to. Uh, Chris Seibold, I think. Um, so he, um, but she was the grieving mother in the show. Um, and I just did not like her performance. And then I found out that she was the doctor and she was like the kind of like hard nosed mother in this. And then they show her and she's like in a quirky outfit. And I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, but the point is Karen Gillian is not good in gunpowder milkshake. <laughs> That's the point, though, is that she's a shit actor and she's not good in this film. That's the point. We're like, we're deep in like, <laughs> I, when you started talking, I was like, what movie are we talking about? Um, yeah, no. Um, going back to Gunpowder Milkshake, it. Um, oh, OK, I'm going to go into spoilers for this. Um, and it's not really a spoiler. It's an anti-spoiler. I'm sorry, if you call your movie Gunpowder Milkshake and then set the final scene of the movie in a diner where you say, we can't bring in weapons, how did you not have a legitimate gunpowder milkshake? I was like, I was I so ready during that scene. I was like, she's going to get a gunpowder milkshake. And she's going to know what it is. And she's going to light it on fire and blow it up in the guy's face. And it's going to be great. And there's glass is going to fly into him. And it's going to show like the cherry flying up. It's going to be so cool. No, it's just another shootout. And a bad shootout. A shootout that doesn't actually make sense with the logic of the movie. Um, it's 
a hundred percent a ripoff of um, the hotel in John Wick. Uh, you can't bring weapons in here, but then they just bring weapons in there. <laughs> it's like, why set up a rule and then be like, ah, no, but because they're women. Um, and that was a thing that like kind of got annoying to me. I don't understand why one of those thugs wasn't a woman um, that they could have had, even like the main one. Uh, and then they actually, so many times they'll introduce a character, build them up, and then just kill him almost off screen again and again and again. And I was like, what? Okay, so this is our villain. Oh, no, it's not. Even the villain himself, I did not know died. <laughs> the main villain of this film. I was watching, and I was like, so what happened to him? Is he in the sequel? He's like, no, he exploded in the background. And I was like, he did? <laughs> um, it's, it's a horribly set up movie in that kind of respect in terms of like storytelling. Uh, <laughs> which is such a rude and like it's very obviously becoming a sequel which annoys me because like at least with like origin stories you're supposed to like do a good job of like world building but they don't I literally watched this I finished watching it two hours before we started recording and I have to write the review for this I'm like I can't tell you a damn thing that happened in this movie because like it's so fucking forgettable and I don't understand why they're trying to like make this a thing Netflix. They should stop making things before they like get released. It's annoying. I'm tired of it. This really does feel like it had all the elements to be like the surprise of the summer in the same vein of like Upgrade or Hotel Artemis, even which I think is massively underrated. But like it just doesn't. It's not fun. It's not interesting. It's just like a very bland film. And I don't want to watch a a, like sequel. I have no interest in a sequel. Yet we're going to get one. And because, well, here, I mean, to be fair, again, once again, we're here on the podcast saying this. A lot of people love this film. A lot of people were blown away and really thought this was such a fun film. So, like, I guess at least they're going to enjoy it. Like, I get why no. Netflix is doing it, but it's just no, not they good. <laughs> they did. They, cl- they claim I, to. They, yeah. I, they just like the pretty colors. Uh, yeah. That's kind of how it felt. Um, well, and I think that the cast gets a lot of leeway um you know and that's one of the things that's really frustrating about this is i do think that the casting of angela bassett uh michelle yao and uh carla gugino is like a great grouping um spoilers you'll figure it out the first second you meet her carla gugino does not make it out of this movie and she's kind of the part i enjoyed like when she died i was really like okay i don't care finish the fucking movie whatever um she like you know uh, not only is she the comic relief she's kind of the only person with a heart in this movie um even the little girl her father is murdered she's kidnapped her father is murdered and then she's like you know what my new mommy is the woman who murdered him and it's like the explanation that they give (laughs) that uh Karen gives to her about why she killed her dad and she's basically like I didn't do it the patriarchy did it was so like (laughs) girl boss queen Um, uh, the most insane thing about this movie though is we've talked about all this and we have not mentioned the fact that Paul Giamatti's in this also in constant blue and orange which is my favorite color so I was very into everything he was wearing but um 
weirdest paycheck role because uh, it doesn't, he's literally not, there's no point of him being in this movie. Um, there's so much in this movie that now that I'm talking about it, I'm getting more annoyed with this film because you go through and it's like, you know, the whole thing with uh, Lena Headey and Karen and they have not seen each other in 15 years and you never have a moment where they talk about that. I think it's like a half sentence line. Hi, mom. And then they're like straight into the drama. And the action sequences aren't good enough to ignore the fact that there is just not a story here. Um, I don't know who the writers were. Let me look on Letterboxd real quick. It's the director. I knew that. But yeah, this is like kind of his big, um, his first big role, his first big writing. Um, they did, yeah which feels right it does feel like one of those scripts that you would read in like a uh, you know writing contest it's like uh <laughs> a bunch of action and something that you think says something and it really doesn't i would be curious to see how much you could figure out was just directly curbed from other movies because definitely the library is john wick almost all of it's john wick i guess uh, john wick with tarantino but not as cool as that sound. Like, that sounds cool. It's not that cool. So does Nicolas Cage and his John Wicked Pig. But you know how that turned out. <laughs> uh, I'm just seeing a lot of four stars for it. So I, I, I guess maybe we don't know how it turned out, eh? Yeah, I saw someone that said they walked out of the theater hysterically sobbing. And I was like, <sighs> okay. Well... <laughs> So it sounds like overall Gunpowder Milkshake didn't do it for us. But Netflix also recently really did do something cool with their Fear Street trilogy. They released three films one week after another. We didn't cover these individually, but we are going to cover them and just talk about them overall. And I will start. Well, first, actually, let's give a voice. Our good friend Nick Grasso couldn't make it here today, but did review these for the site. And he did send in a little thought, some thoughts on the film. So let's let's jump to him. And then we'll give our thoughts. Hello, everybody. This is Nicolo Grasso speaking. And unfortunately, like apologies for not being able to join this week's episode. I really wanted to discuss all of the movies from this week's Clappercast, but something came up at the last moment, so I couldn't come. But I did want to share my thoughts on Fear Street, knowing that everyone else is, is much more negative than I am. Um, I had the privilege, the honor of reviewing these movies weekly for uh, Clapper. And I, I, I think that's probably the best way to enjoy this trilogy. Because, oh man, these movies, 1994, 1978, and 1666, they are, they reign for teenagers. Let's just say that straight out of the way. Those are for teenagers. They're not for me. I am 24 years old, I've seen countless, almost a thousand horror movies in my life by now, and and this is for someone, in a way, this is a good example of uh, gateway horror, in a way that's much darker and more mature than other films like, uh, I don't know, like a Gremlins or what Joe Dante did in his career. And that's easily the strength of these movies, probably the biggest strength is they have uh, um, a, a physical important threat that's dooming throughout the entire trilogy 
you feel that these kids and these teenagers are going to get slayed in brutal fashion. Like the, the level of gore in these movies is uh, kind of unheard of for something that features young people, not adults or uh, college students. And, and, and it has, you know, fascinating characters here and there. I believe, I personally think the cast from the second movie is the more interesting one because it feels like it's the only one that you could watch standalone outside of the opening and closing. It's kind of a Friday the 13th Halloween throwback with a lot of Stephen King references, uh, overtly direct references. But everything else is, it's fine. It's mediocre. This is it's, it's interesting. This, this is a Netflix production because they've become very famous with, you know, dumping everything in uh, one go. All of Stranger Things in one day, 13 episodes. And yet they ended up releasing a movie trilogy weekly. And it's constantly blurring the line between what's TV and what's movies. And to me, after I watched all of this trilogy, I think this would have benefited from being a TV show. The production feels like a Netflix original show. The way it's paced would have worked much better as a four-episode miniseries, 40-50 minutes long tops, because having all of the movies be two hours long, it's egregiously long, it's unneeded, it's gratuitous. And, and, and yeah, it's fine, it, it feels a bit cheap. They use a lot of CGI for the kills, which annoyed me. The musical choices, especially in 1994 and 1978, are horrible, not for the songs they pick, but for how they use them. It's like, oh, well, let's play it for just five, ten seconds for a gag to remind you what era this is set. No, don't do this. This is the Suicide Squad school of making a soundtrack. Please don't. You spend way too much money on this shit. You should have spent it on actual practical effects. And yeah, but actors are fine. There's some that are relatively weak, others that are a bit stronger. Um, everyone has horrible accents in 1666 when it's the Puritan times. But, but yeah, I know everyone hated it on the panel. But personally, I, I think it's bottom of the barrel entertainment. It's not for me. It's for teenagers. And while this hasn't had the success, the cultural impact that Netflix was probably hoping for, it is ultimately decent entertainment. If you haven't watched horror movies, if you don't like them, give this a shot, honestly. I think you'd, you'd enjoy it. It has enough, uh, you know, romance. There is uh, some good lesbian representation in these movies, a uh, varied cast of characters, lots of humor as well. Um, and it balances out the grisly levels of violence and the horror. So not a big recommend from my part, but, eh, you know, it's, it's, it's not one of the worst movie trilogies for me. Probably the blandest, though. And this is all from my part, and back to the panel. See you everyone next week, hopefully. And before we go any further, let's hear a word about the sponsor for today's episode. Okay, now back <laughs> to the world of the sane uh, person. I'll introduce us to Fear Street, because this trilogy, not even, I'm not going to say, specific, I'm not going to go, I'm going to be rather concise here. By, try to be by the least. way, yeah. um, I'm, I'm just going to hop in and say, uh, because this is three movies, I am not even going to try in any capacity to not spoil so yeah. before we start if you care to watch these garbage films they're not uh, good. <laughs> then watch them and come back because it's uh Here's I, I i there's no way to talk about any of this without spoiling yeah no there isn't elena just something to say you started like... i was just gonna say it's kind of weird to listen to like a movie podcast and not watch the fucking movies guys get us yeah. together yeah 
check out the reviews on Clapper <laughs> if you want to get the non-sport. Like that, that makes more sense. Anyway, let me finally do my introduction because this movie is. Sh- I watched all three on the same day. I marathoned them, and I not even due to their individual elements, but how they come together as the tr- as a trilogy. I genuinely stand by my opinion. This is one of the worst trilogies ever put to film. This is utter fucking garbage. And let's just quickly break down each piece. Number one, very mediocre, not well-made at all horror film. But you know what? It's passable. If it was like a Shudder original, it wouldn't be good. But I'd be like, you know what? Fine, whatever. There's some fun aesthetic choices, some fun kills. I hate all the performances. I hate all the characters. The story doesn't make sense, but whatever. Then you go to number two. There's a cliffhanger. And then number two, okay, we're finally going to, we're going to get the continuation of the story. Nope. We're going to go to a complete side story that you already know the ending to. Because in in number one, they tell you what happens. So you spend two hours with a story you know the ending to that means nothing. It, It means nothing. It does absolutely, literally the two things it accomplishes. Well, no, sorry. It accomplishes one thing, which is introducing a character we already got introduced to. It just gives him a backstory that is meaningless in the long run. Okay, whatever. You go to episode three. Finally, we're going to get continuation of the story. Fucking false. You then go to another different side story that doesn't make sense. I thought there was time travel. Apparently, there isn't time travel. I was very confused. And then you get them saying, oh, no, the story you were told is false, and this is the real story. But then, like, it doesn't add anything to say there was a different story to begin with. Just say, like, it just makes no sense. So you spend an hour there. And then the final 30 minutes of this five hours, six hours of content is the finally the conclusion. And it is a conclusion outdone by uh, throwaway episodes of other Netflix originals. Stranger Things in throwaway episodes has better conclusions in this series. It is a worthless trilogy. It is a frustrating trilogy. If they rearranged the order, at least didn't fucking say in the first film what happened for the next four hours of the series, maybe you'd be fine. But I could not stand this. This is one of the most boring series I've ever seen. And truly, I think it's one of the worst trilogies ever put to film. The fact that it was going to be released in theaters is embarrassing. Paul, go ahead. Okay, so um, so you didn't like it. but um, No, actually, I, so I little... did think it was pretty good, I will say. <laughs> so my friend was out of town, um, and we were actually like having like a little fight. But otherwise, um, usually we watch bad horror movies together that's like our 100% thing so I started this and she was like okay I can watch the next one and we'll watch together and I was like no don't do this completely skip it which like was very noble of me but (laughs) also like watching these week to week you know Carson you binged them but uh I found week to week so brutal because I knew I wasn't going to like it and I was just going to have to sit another week to find out like a morsel of content. Um, it is weird though. Uh, I will say a lot of people really like these movies. A lot of um, horror Twitter. Um, I follow some some people. One of them's uh, a friend of mine actually. But um, all of them love this. And I can't figure it out. Um because I feel like I don't watch that much horror, but there's nothing original. There's one kill that is kind of cool, um, but I don't like it because it took in the out... first film. Yeah, in the first film. Was it the bread cutter? Yeah, and um, that's like uh, one of 
these three movies. <laughs> uh, it is a weird series because the two characters that I liked are killed off in the first movie. Um, and then I'm stuck with these two characters and it mainly follows a like queer relationship that I have never cared less about two people in my entire life. Um, I wrote one of my friends and I said, shut up about your girlfriend, shut up about your girlfriend, shut up about your girlfriend. Because the entire first film, this uh, the lead character's only lines are about her ex-girlfriend. <laughs> like, I cannot believe that, uh, you know, and people are like, oh, this is such an important story and stuff. Uh, Let's be clear about this relationship. Number one, we meet them when they're broken up and the one is being emotionally abusive to the other, like horrifically emotionally abusive. And then they just get back together. Why wouldn't they just be together in the first place? What does oh, it yeah. gain to show them fighting and being abusive to each other and then it get was, back together? Nothing, it was, literally it was, nothing. <laughs> all it was, was to say, Sam and show the guy and then it not be Sam, it's the girl. Oh, whoa, so impressive. Uh, <laughs> like, it's just, it, each one of these films, it, like Carson said, they're far too long. Um, they should be an hour. Um, and the last one, and uh, the last one specifically is where I do feel like you see the seams of this thing just like falling apart. Um, the movie just ends. <laughs> You're watching a film and it ends and then just starts up a new film. <laughs> it's definitely just the fourth film. And they were like, well, we can't do an entire The Vich movie. So I guess we're going to do uh, half of that and then cut away to the point that I don't really, there was nothing interesting about it. <laughs> like I was watching it and I kind of just, okay, she's not, actually evil cool thank you for explaining that the movie goes on for another hour to slowly explain that uh you know the cop is evil you know uh oh in the worst line i've probably heard in my entire life she's the lead actress fully <laughs> fully serious goes good is evil which <laughs> I had to pause it and go like touch grass, like just take a moment and come back. <laughs> I was like, nope, I can't do this right now. Um, just across the board, there's so many. And you know what I will say? I thought some of the ghosts were cool. Why were the ghosts we stuck with the guy, the most boring two, honestly? Um, even the the third one too, the preacher that cuts out eyes was boring. Um, I thought it was going to be really cool, but just doing like a reveal of like a bunch of kids with eyes cut out is not as cool as I thought we were going to see a bunch of kids get their eyes cut out. Um, if you set me up with that, don't just like show it to me again. Um, mm -hmm. This movie, because it's not particularly good, relies on some gross out stuff that's like not scary and it's not particularly gory. It, it Well, it is gory, but it's just, like not unique that I just was like mildly stomach grossed. It's the same things that I don't like about the Saw movies, but I at least understand the Saw movies. Like you're going for that. These would be a teen drama. And then all of a sudden this girl's hands getting brutally ripped off. 
it was just a weird clash in a way that I don't think even remotely worked. Um, but the boys have talked enough. What do you think, Alina? <laughs> yeah, I will share my thoughts. <clears throat> my thoughts pretty much echo you too. Um, yeah, horror is like the genre. I think I've said it like a lot of the times on this podcast that I've like watched the least of, least of. Um, but like even just watching this like entire fucking Fear Street saga, it felt so redundant. And I've probably only seen like 20 horror movies in my entire life. Like that's how like unoriginal and uninspired it is. And I'm really like sick of this like theme in cinema right now where like we keep paying like homage to like past decades of like 90s horror and like 70s horror and all this shit because like you could just go back and watch like the movies that actually came out in the 70s that are horror you know what I mean like why do we have to keep like remaking this like shit over and over again because it just doesn't work I'm tired of it um I didn't care for this series at all like literally at all it was suffering to get through and I don't understand how like anybody could actually like this each and every single one of these characters is like so unlikable or at the very least boring um like the main character and her girlfriend so fucking uninteresting all the side characters are like fairly uninteresting as well even like the villain like when they like reveal that like his family is like the ones that did it and like not the actual witch or whatever or like that like the whole like reveal thing I was like I mean I guess this is like mildly interesting but I don't care and like the whole third one when they went back to like 1666 I was like this is literally just Robert Eggers is the witch I don't I would rather just watch that than this like it feels like Netflix just throws millions at like random shit purely just for content and doesn't care and like the Fear Street saga is a prime example of that. Also, Hawk is the worst nepotism child. She's bad in this again. <laughs> anyway, thoughts across um, the board. Bad, boring, don't watch well, this. It's a waste of seven goddamn hours. Well, and that, uh, <laughs> going back to Maya Hawk, it is so funny because you know that they were like, this is our Drew Barrymore moment. And it's like, it's Maya Hawk. <laughs> like, <laughs> there are so many big stars. Put Millie Bobby Brown in there and kill her like that. Yeah, I would have been surprised. But like Maya Hawk, I was like, cool. I even went, is that Maya Hawk? And then looked up Maya Hawk, <laughs> Fear Street, while I was watching her be brutally murdered. I was like, which, you know, I didn't particularly like her in the role, but it did in a way that Scream doesn't left just kind of a bitter taste in my mouth. I think it's because she knew who the person was. It was her friend. There's just something like in those kind of movies, actually across the board, um, even with uh, Kate and I forgot the uh, the man's name, uh, all of those like kills, there's just something that like, because it's their friends and that's never really dealt with, really just, ugh. it leaves me like not having fun with this thing that's like clearly jokey. But um, just the implications constantly. Like for the fact, Kate says, we should sacrifice Sam to the killers. And they don't. And then the two people who were like, yeah, we probably should die. And it's like, I don't know what this proved. They were right. <laughs> Why are you booing? I'm right. Like, <laughs> um, But yeah, to your point, Carson, I think that it was clever to go backwards 
but I don't think it adds anything. Um, you know, the entire uh, Jillian Jacobs character is useless. <laughs> um, her whole backstory. Uh, there is no way also that Sadie Sink becomes <laughs> uh, Jillian Jacobs in any way. So when they tried to do that as a reveal, I was like, that's not the same. Like that girl does not grow up to be that girl. <laughs> so that was like, it felt like a twist for twist's sake. And a lot of this feels like twist for twist's sake. Um, and I don't like that this shows that there's going to be uh, definite sequels to this. Um, the whole last universe. Stop. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, I did watch, I a couple of years back, I watched this director's uh, movie, Honeymoon, because one of my friends has a crush on uh, Rose Leslie. And that was not bad, actually. Um, so I do want to say that, like, I think this, uh, that Lee has talent as a director, but I think that this was just way too much to chew all at once. Because um, I do think this is maybe just one movie stretched out to three. Uh, Carson, do you know the original release plan for this? So all I know is that the first film was going to be released June 2020. They didn't announce the other two to my knowledge. This is something I was consistently thinking about, though. I don't even know how that would work because these aren't fully fleshed out movies. Agreed. Like, uh, in the way that, like, you know, they're created, there's some... I'm going to try to be positive for a second. There are some clever things that, that wraps up in the third one in a way that ties all the movies that you didn't think were supposed to really go together together. Stuff like that is cool. Um, everything else is bad. That was it. That was all I got. Oh, no, but I did love the other ghosts. You know what? I know I mentioned that earlier, but the sure. ghosts actually were really cool. The girl who's sitting around flipping the um, the knife out and back like a, you know, kind of like 50s uh, villain that was cool um, I also and this is maybe just something that sticks with me uh, I always have trouble with villains who you're supposed to be happy that they are killed when they're indoctrinated by their parents into yeah. some cult and like not dealing with that at all like he clear, <laughs> like he explains like I don't want to do this I've been forced by the family when he's a kid and you don't know that's what it's supposed to be. That's why they have to give you 9 million flashbacks to every single thing that happens in this movie. Um, it's always one of those things that I sit there and I'm like, well, the other brother didn't have to do this. So why are we acting? It's just like, it's one of those things that always frustrates me in these kind of movies. It's like not even a, an admittance that he is like 100% evil, but like knows that he could have gotten out of it. It's like, no, he was... 15 when he had to do this yeah. like <laughs> and now he's just dealing with that um well not to be overly woke but there was actually like a shocking amount in the film i thought it'd be very uncomfortable specifically in the first one with the whole like forced suicide via overdose but then like no it's okay if you kill yourself because we'll just bring you back and it's just something you can do like i was like that's a that's an interesting just random thing i to have. totally forgot about that see that's what i was telling you carson um so the difference was i told Carson and I believe Alina too to watch it all not at once but like close together not do it the weekly because I was doing the weekly and every week I would just like 
have huge chunks just fall off of like i could not remember what happened in these movies a week ago yeah um like when i think of the first one i think of maya hawk being stabbed and the boy masturbating and i was like what is happening right now (laughs) yeah there's a lot of also just weird uncomfortable sex but i do think watching them all together very closely also hurts the effect because especially with the first two with the kills it gets the same layout of that scene every time you know exactly how it's going to go a random side character they'll start to give her a give her or him a little bit of personality a little bit of character to where you could like recognize them in a lineup right and then immediately they just die and that's just immediately the same the same thing when her friend dies in the second one i literally sat there and i was like oh she's giving her backstory she's about to die and what do you know the axe comes from behind and goes through her and i was like oh yeah yeah that's it just becomes so telegraphed to get so boring Um, yeah, no, actually there's so much in this movie that now that I'm, uh, remembering it all, uh, the children murders in the second movie are, uh, there's like, the the nerd, the nerd kid, Carson, you mean, I literally went, Hey, it's him. (laughs) That is so rude. (laughs) That was genuinely a moment of being bullied. Everyone listen here, you know, write your, write your angry letters. No, but, um. Yeah, I don't know. That, wow, that really just... so. Yeah, when Baby Carson was murdered, I was upset too. Um, you know, there's that kid. There's they kill these two little kids, and it's one of these things where it's like supposed to be like, oh my gosh, but I. <laughs> it's the same thing I've talked about uh, earlier. There's just a meanness to it, a constant like meanness to the series that is very weird. With the it's goosebumps for slightly older kids. Um, it also you know, doesn't make sense because the first film establishes, and luckily, like I do think you could find a reason eventually. But the first film sets the precedent of like, oh, these monsters have a focused victim, and they will just pass anyone up. Like they don't, if you're in the way, they'll kill you. But they're not going to go out of their way to kill random people. They're focused on that one target to the point where if you just stand to the side of them, they'll walk past you. Yet then in the second film, no, there's no target. Well, there is a target, but they're just going from cabin to cabin killing random people. It makes no sense. It doesn't, the established lore and established dynamics of the series do not follow through with every scene. Yeah, no, across the board. Um, and also, you know, going into what happens at the end, they choose a name that they give to Satan or whatever the, the premise of the movie was. Um, <laughs> and some of these people are like, I chose the five-year-old. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, It's crazy. There's no reason for these various characters to get chosen. And that was one of the things that I would have liked to have been explained is like, <laughs> you could choose anyone in the city and you're like, mm, the nerdy girl, mm, this kid who's closing up his, you know, comic book store. What a weird time to choose to turn him into a, you know, vessel for Satan. Um, there was all of one person there he could go murder. I guess two. No, but... he killed like nine, they said, which I didn't get because there was only two people in the mall, but he, they said he killed nine. Oh, I was like, oh, well, I guess was there just... was other people there that just, <laughs> I don't know why no one acted like there was We're anyone all else there. We're but... around uh, Maya Hawk. <laughs> Well, if there's other people there, you think when there's a killer coming to chase you, you'd probably go to them for help. But I guess she didn't. I will <laughs> no, say I did just... appreciate like the one clever. There's a couple clever things, such as in the mall, the tree being there. I was like, oh, that's fun. 
That's about it. That's the only thing I liked was the fact that the tree was in the mall. Yeah, no, I thought that was clever. Although oh. I don't, although I it don't think there was anything I liked about it. Um, you know, and I will say one of the weirdest things was, uh, <laughs> when they do the flashback to Carson's point in 1666, they use the same actresses and actors, the, same, the brother. Yeah. Well, all of them were the same cast. Uh, and there's no explanation for it. And it kind of hurts the film. If you had done it with, you know, Sarah Fear, who you're, you're supposed to know, instead of watching the same lesbian romance, I've been watching three movies now. Um, you know, it, I think it could have been a lot in more interesting. That's another thing that's really interesting with, uh, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but queer stories really frustrate me sometimes because- you're homophobic so and you don't want to see them. Oh, okay. Different. Right. Okay. Get it. Uh, Never, mind. Never mind. Different reason, guys. Sorry, got it wrong. Um, what's interesting about that is like now that we've course corrected from barrier gays, we're to this point where it's like if there is a gay couple, they are going to stay together and they're going to be so happy. And there's no, and like it kind of lowers the stakes every time that those characters exist now in a way that kind of is frustrating to me. And I understand like it's progress from immediately killing them in the next scene but knowing for a fact that there is no way that this couple is not going to be together by the end of these three movies um some stuff happens in this movie that could have had a stake one single stake and they just you know uh they don't and it doesn't <laughs> it's also like fully insane to me that like they think sarah fear is a witch because she is an assumed lesbian and I was like I know this is 1666 but like yikes <laughs> yeah then she does kind of turn out to be a witch doesn't this is it's not as bad as Saint Maud, but it is one of those things where it's like well oh but okay no but here's the thing about the homophobia in the third film specifically 1666 when you prove like okay there is a demon there is the devil there are demonic forces you can't really use the argument of like oh lol those don't exist like the point of why gay people are like it doesn't matter is because like honey we don't believe in the devil like we don't believe we're going to hell so then like if you prove the devil exists like then you're kind of validating their homophobia because it is against like it is then a sin and you're validating sin it just doesn't make sense it doesn't work yep like this whole series just doesn't make very much sense to me so anyway, definitely watch Fear Street on Netflix. Yeah, that's what we're movies. saying. All six hours, I, well, you know, it's, it's not the worst. I mm, No, it is the worst thing you do with your time this week. But it's, you know. <laughs> I, um, if you want to as... suffer, watch this. <laughs> if you really feel bad about your, if you, <laughs> if you are a filmmaker, oh, you know what? if you're Sam Levinson and you just recently had a film that wasn't well received and you want to be like, I'm a good filmmaker, Watch Fear Street. You'll be fucking impressed with your own ability. You'll say if they can do it, God, I can too. Well, actually, I will say uh, the one thing that I did like about the series um, is I do enjoy Fred Hetchinger. He's also on The White Lotus. And he was the child in uh, The Woman in the Window, which I thought he was truly terrible in. Um, I looked at my letterbox review, and I also think on this podcast, I just ripped into him. Yeah. Um, but he was like, my favorite he and kate were my favorite parts of uh the whole series actually and then he's also great in white lotus so i will take back when i am wrong 
<laughs> well, and that is the only time I've ever been wrong. <laughs> Fred Hetching. <laughs> In my life. Hmm. Since birth. <laughs> I mean, you did say Anthony Hopkins was going to win the Oscar, so I guess maybe you are correct there. Because um, no one else predicted that, but all three of us did. I'll point it out. All three of us predicted that shit, and everyone was like, it's such a surprise, and it was a surprise to us, too. But we said it was going to happen, so... Exactly. Well, so Fear Street didn't Anthony do it either. Anthony Hopkins huh? is the father. He really is the father. The father. <laughs> so Fear Street sadly didn't seem to do it for us either. We're not necessarily batting a great percentage this week. I think that's the correct way to say that baseball reference. Um, so maybe it's not going to be a movie thing. Maybe it's going to be a TV show this week. And let's go over the MCU. We just had Black Widow, but we're not done We've had the conclusion of Loki, the newest Disney Plus film, um, or God, Disney Plus MCU series, excuse me. Um, And Alina, why don't you start us out with Loki? Was this one better than WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Which wouldn't be hard to do, to be fair, but. I would say that Loki is better than WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier combined. Um, I acknowledge that I am fully biased. Like, I am a slut. For Loki, I'm a slut for Tom Hiddleston. I freaking love um he's like my favorite character in the MCU along with Bucky. Um, but like granted, not even Bucky could say Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, but like Loki, I was like, okay, I'm into this. But like were you um, low-key into Loki? <laughs> I was high key into Loki. Oh, there we go. Um, okay. So like if I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, everybody on the goddamn planet has seen Infinity War. Like, the whole concept of Loki is, like, when the Avengers and Infinity War are, like, going back in time to get the... End the game. Infinity Stones. Whatever. Still, they're the same thing. Infinity War Part 2. <laughs> same fun movie. It's just... Okay. Um, so, like, they go back to, like, Avengers 2012 and, like, try and get the time zone or whatever. And then, like, shit goes, like, wrong because of, like, the Hulk. I don't need to explain this scene. You've fucking seen it. Um, Loki just like disappears with the Tesseract and they're like, oh shit. So like the whole Loki series is like this past alive Loki from like 2012 that like magically gets the Tesseract because the Avengers fuck up. And so um, I watched this one weekly. So I don't like fully remember everything about it because I did not bother like rewatching it all um, before like we recorded. Because I was like, who has the time when we have seven hours of Fear Street to watch? You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, so like Loki shows up on this like weird ass planet. Owen Wilson is there and he like finds out about this thing called the TBA, which is called like the Time Variance Authority. I don't understand a lot of the like science bullshit that comes with this. This was very confusing to me with this whole like separating timelines thing. But like there's a lot of like Loki's being Loki's. Um, and it's like confusing but fun and you know Loki is gonna Loki and I don't know I just had a, I had a good time with it even though I was confused for the vast majority of this runtime. I really liked the uh, chemistry between Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson specifically that was definitely my favorite part of this um I didn't really like the like person who played like the girl Loki Sylvie very much and I think it's because Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston had such great chemistry that that romance between those two Lokis just could not live up to the like love I felt between Mobius and Loki um 
anyway that's all i have to say about it oh that who's the guy what's his name from the last black man in san francisco jonathan majors yeah he's great when he shows up in this so i don't know it's like the best mcu show i don't think you need to watch the entire thing of it to like for like the mcu as a whole but i think at the very least you should watch the last episode to like grasp where the mcu is going because this whole fucking thing is just a series to explain all the multi-universes and now the mcu is just running wild yeah anything i'm doing the multiverse i didn't really care about in this film or this series and i guess i should preference this by saying if you haven't listened to those other episodes i despised wandavision and i thought falcon of the winter soldier was, was like fine it was like you know it was white noise to me um this series, the first two episodes I watched weekly and I was fully in. I, you know, I'm a slut for Owen Wilson. It turns out I really learned that about myself watching these first two episodes. And I loved him. I Amazing. Loved he was so hot with a mustache. So hot. I just have to say, and like, so good. You were, their chemistry <laughs> was incredible. And it was just them like traveling around the universe solving crimes. I was like, hell yeah, this is great. Like, okay, MCU, I'm back in. And then yeah. starting, I think in episode three, when the girl Loki's introduced, I it was just like, oh, it got drastically less interesting, like so less interesting. Tom Hiddleston mm-hmm. still shines. He's still fun, but it was just like, oh, mm-hmm. I just want to see more Owen Wilson. And then like, again, Same. anytime they go into the like multiverse and what is happening, like not only was I just confused, but I just didn't care. And I we talked about this kind of in Black Widow. I don't care about the future of the MCU. Nothing coming up interests me. I like Jonathan Majors. I love him as an actor. I think he like one of the best performances of all time in Last uh, Black Man in San Francisco. Um, but I'm just not interested in anything. The final episode does kind of hit fine, I guess. And there's some fun moments. Like I like all the Lokis. Um, Richard E. Grant is great. The Alligator is fun. But like I wanted this show just to be Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson solving crimes in different universes. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that, which is sad. But overall, also, yeah, not, it's much better than either the other series. two. Not there's not a single point in the series where Owen Wilson says wow and got pissed me off. Like and they did it on purpose. Like there was like an article that came out and said he will not say wow in the series. And I'm like, why? There were so many opportunities where he could have. Why can't you give the people what they want? It's rude. And also I remember I saw a tweet that was really funny. Uh, like ragging on people for getting upset about like the career baiting and Loki. And it was like, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was like, well, Will got curbated by Owen Wilson in Night at Museum. And I was like, yes, that's what he does to us, Owen Wilson. Like him and the little gladiator, good times. It was like the same romance, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about it other than Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston are great. And this is going to lead to things in the MCU, but like I've lost my will to care for the MCU. And I just like go along with it begrudgingly at this point. Yeah, I fully echo those statements. I really can't give too much other than like, I forgot about how cute that little romance is in Night at the Museum. And I can't wait to talk about that on mm-hmm. Uncut Gems. We're doing that later mm-hmm. this year. So do it, watch that, listen to that. Um, but no, I thought Loki, I, like you said, I agree. Better than WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier combined. Was it great? No, but like, you know what? I could like watch this show. I could watch shows like this. I won't be watching What If, but like 
if other shows can be this fun. I, like, also, the production design I thought was really fun. Um, like the visuals were really fun. Like I, there, this film, like this show was just fun for the first like two, third, three episodes. I just wish it was that. And if it was, that would be great. So I'm just repeating myself. So I think I'm done. So I was supposed to watch this and I watched the first episode and I watched the last episode. Um, I watched the last episode before the first episode because um, I watched it. I woke up at like midnight and it was, or it was like 1158 uh, the night it came out. And I was like, you know what? I just want to go spoil it for myself. So I just watched like the scenes. And I was like, oh, Jonathan Majors. Oh, um, a jump scare. Uh, <laughs> with the clock um but it's interesting to me how much i know about this show through pure osmosis of like existing in the internet um which is really interesting for the future of the mcu it kind of does not matter that i didn't watch this show moving forward and i probably will i enjoyed the first episode I planned to watch the rest, but then I was sitting there last night a little drunk and I was like, do I want to watch this or do I want to watch the new episode of White Lotus? And I was like, I'm watching White Lotus. So that's what I did. Um, and then I was too far behind to get caught up and I went and got my hair cut instead. I did self-care instead of watching this show uh, because I went through two of these shows and they disappointed me. And it sounds like Carson, exactly what you're saying is kind of what I was expecting. It would kind of pull me back in and then I'd just be ultimately disappointed. So <laughs> it is interesting that you guys say it shouldn't, it, this doesn't really matter if you see it. Cause like this does kind of set up the big bad that people that Marvel said is the next Thanos. Like this is like the first domino really. And we've, it's, you That's know, I mean that you should, you just need to yeah. watch the last episode really. Cause yeah. like, they'll give you the flashbacks. Like you don't really need to watch the first five episodes. You don't like, you don't have to, you should, but you can get by without it is what I mean. Isn't oh, that yeah. a depressing thought, actually? Like, the fact of, like, it took Thanos 10 years, right, to get the conclusion of him. So now if this is our first domino, we can assume it's going to take 10 years for this to get its conclusion. God. Well, what <laughs> like, they, from me? what I understand, there's supposed to be uh, a three, uh, moving forward in the MCU, there's a three-prong um, storyline that's going to be space, it's going to be multiverse, and it's going to be... Um, uh julia louis dreyfus universe but i believe I they've know. said that, like this this villain is the next one to like get them all back together like, well yeah the but i mean boy. like uh they're talking about that um uh, it's they'll never really do the same they'll probably have them all in certain movies yeah but it's not really going to be the same as like and now they're all here for this one. Um, and even looking forward, you can kind of see that because there's no way that like, you know, some of these characters can exist together. There's just the power differentiations between them. <laughs> I was going to say, even saw, go ahead. You even saw that. Oh, I was going to say, you even saw that in Endgame to a point where some characters would be like, um, oh, that was a truck. I was trying to figure out what huge sound. Um, you can see, like, sorry, what was I talking about? You could see how different characters are paired up together. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. You could just see how, like, the different power differentiations. You could even see that in um, Endgame, where, you know, they had to literally kick Captain Marvel out because she's way too powerful. Uh, <laughs> so, 
moving forward, it will be interesting to see like what they have to do uh, with splitting the characters up because, you know, Florence Pugh and, uh, you know, is not going up against Kang the Conqueror. <laughs> what sucks <laughs> is like, I was going to be like, in the old times, we'd say, okay, great. That's our Marvel discussion. We'll come back to you next, like February or whatever. No, we have three more movies this year. We have like two more TV shows, not including What If, which I'm not watching. I don't know if you all will, but. It's weird. What If's the only one I'm kind of interested in. It's ugly, but I'm interested. See, it's not part of the, well, it is part of the universe apparently, but it's not really part of the universe. So I'm like, great. If I can take a Marvel break, I will. Because that's, I can't take a break from like Hawkeye, you know, like that matters supposedly. So like. Unfortunately, I will be watching everything because I committed too much time and money to this series to give up on it. Same thing with Supernatural. Like, like a su- <laughs> sunk cost fallacy is a. <laughs> it is. It fully is. Like, I can't give up. 15 year old me would be so disappointed in me and can't do it to her. You know, you know what I did that I was very proud of myself with um, Captain the Winter Soldier, which I don't think I'll do for Hawkeye uh, for um, Loki or Hawkeye, but. Um, I was proud I did for that series, which I did not enjoy. If you just watch the previously on episode <laughs> opening, <laughs> that's two minutes long. You get through the whole thing, and then you just watch the finale, which they don't have a previously on for. You can still do that. do that with Fear Street. Side point: If you do oh, that with yeah. Fear Street, you'll be great. Actually, <laughs> you'll get the same disappointment, but in like fifteen minutes instead of five although, hours. Although you missed the first one, which arguably is the only one that maybe was kind of fun. Um, I liked the second one better. Oh, I, see, I could not. I thought the second one was like one star. Could not. Jack I, also liked it the best. Though. I think I liked it purely because of the seventies vibes. That's but, it. Anyway, I don't want to talk they, about it. If they would have just not <laughs> said the ending of that, I would have been in. I know. Also, actually, the main know. character wasn't literally a monster. She's gonna. She's gonna get kicked out of summer camp, so her sister can't raise the money to leave the town. Because she doesn't value that as a sister. So she's like, fuck it. No, you're not going to get the money. You're going to stay home and watch me and not live any of your future. Fuck her. Anyway, Loki. <laughs> so anyway, so it sounds like maybe this week wasn't the best week of releases. Despite there being a lot, there wasn't necessarily a lot of great stuff out there. So let's look towards the future. Because this week we did get the Cannes Film Festival. We did a preview a couple weeks ago. Neither of you were there for it. So I don't know what you were even looking forward to. But we did get reactions. And some of them were positive. So let's take this week of negativity and end it by looking towards the future. What are you excited for? What from Can debuted that you're like, oh, that reaction was good enough. I'm excited for it. Do you have a film in mind? Paul, why don't you start us off? No. <laughs> um, actually, like I really, I, you know, I knew this assignment was coming up and I went and looked through and none of these movies are like um, my cup of tea to quote, quote uh, Spike Lee. Not the French Dispatch. You like Wes Anderson. I don't like Wes Anderson. I like the Royal Tenenbaums. This is a thing yeah. that I've always had to deal with. That's fair. Is that um, I think as Wes Anderson and Christopher Nolan, my two favorite directors when I was a kid, as they got more money, they got worse. Uh, I feel like they lost that like, you know, uh, try kind of feeling to their movies um you know scrappiness and now like Wes Anderson it's like you can read it and I know it's going to be very pretty and I'm gonna be very bored um Annette sounds terrible 
um, Titane, I don't know how to say the name, uh, is not a film I will be watching in theaters. Um, could not pay me. Why I, Why were you so against Because you sent that and you're like, won't be watching this one. What, what about that? Because didn't, it didn't strike me as a film that, like you would be so against. Is it just the uh, crazy concept or? Oh, I, I don't know if it's by the same director as Raw. Yeah. And apparently like one of the first scenes has a nose, like a forced nose breaking, like she breaks her own nose scene. And apparently it's so gross people left to the theater and it was like, and it only gets worse from there. And I'm like, no. Like, well, like, I can see why you didn't like the cannibal movie, but I didn't know about the nose. Okay. That makes more oh, sense. Oh yeah. I no, guess. but it's like that. I know that the, you know, the plot is insane. It's basically a woman is impregnated by a car while pretending to be a boy uh, <laughs> for a lonely fireman. Um, but you know that the birth scene is going to be like horrific and repulsive. The sex scene will be gross. I don't like that kind of stuff. I don't need it in my life. I'm a really strong like memory person. And I know that I'll just like, it'll be stuck in there. Um, I was kind of excited about, uh, you know, my favorite director, Andrea Arnold's uh, Cow. But apparently it's a little boring. So that was- Look, I'll speak, because I, I did see Cow, FYI, that, you know, and it was just cows being cows and it was kind of gross because you get to see the shit that they do to cows which is gross but like if you like cows it's 90 minutes of cows and they listen to billy eilish as they just like stand there so it's pretty like that fine. sounds kind of sad oh it's vegan that sounds really sad no it's <laughs> horror like you see them like burning them you see them like fizz like it's very repulsive at times which is why like if, I know some people are like, oh, maybe we could go like do it, like get high and go watch. It's not like a fun vibe. It is like very gross and like uncomfortable at times. Um, it sounds like that other movie that came out a couple of years ago and actually has the same damn image of like a black camera and then a cow staring with white. Uh, you mean Dominion? I do. And yeah. a movie that I get sad every time I look at the documentary things because I'm like, I will never watch that and I cannot finish the documentary it's list. It's really, box. really sad. It's really yeah. sad. I mean, See, that I one goes for the goal I of didn't being even do, sad. This one just yeah, kind of naturally is. I couldn't even like do the last couple scenes in Okja just because like, I don't need that in my life. Um, you know, so <laughs> you will notice a running theme of me just like, I don't want to deal with Poor like- Paul. Oh, and that's a, I remember the end of Pig. Oh, you love animals. I do that's love sweet. animals. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, don't don't kill animals in movies. That that's my one thing I would say. <laughs> well, or in Alina, real life. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually probably a pretty good to clarify. Not just in movies, but also in real life. Don't do it. Um, Alina, what were your did you have anything you were excited for actually? Um, not really. Like, I don't really care about Can, and I think it's mostly because I didn't go, and it's probably not something I'm ever gonna go to, because, like, why would I pay, like, a thousand dollars to go to France to sit in a theater? You know what I mean? Like, if I go to France, I have been to France, but not to south of France. If I go, I would rather, like, go and see, like, fucking Eiffel Tower some nice beaches some things that like actually matter because all of this shit coming out at Cannes we're gonna see in a couple months anyway 
Like, I've never really understood that whole hype about international film festivals and, like, why people, like, want to fly across the world for this. So I'm like, who has the money to do that? Like, I go to TIFF because it's two to four hours away from me, depending on where I live in Ontario. That's fine. That's tolerable. I've been to Toronto God knows how many times. I've done everything there. So I'm not perfectly comfortable sitting in a dark theater in Toronto. I don't want to go to fucking Berlin and sit, like, in a theater for 12 hours a fucking day. It's weird. I don't get it. So, like, every time, like, Can 2021 popped up on the Twitter, I was like, okay, scrolling past this. I don't care. I'll see all this shit in a couple months anyway. I don't want to hear about it now. Um, I'm mildly jealous because I would like to go to the South of France. I don't care about the movies. Um, I feel like the only thing I'm, like, mildly interested in is, like, the French Dispatch. Like, uh, I went and looked at what was, like, official selection and like none of nothing like really stood out to me like I fully don't care oh <laughs> red rocket but, yeah I was gonna ask you if it's after Alina was done <laughs> as soon as Alina started saying that I was like yeah nothing sounded oh um which I don't even like Sean Baker but uh that sounded good um sorry. why are you excited for red rocket like- then <laughs> what because the plot sounded good um and I didn't dislike um oh my god tangerine or the florida project tangerine okay. i wanted to say magnolia and i knew that wasn't right um mm-hmm. it's la so i was like what is it it's one of the streets or something uh yeah i like um i didn't see florida project because i don't watch anything with william defoe uh, wait Why? sorry time out time out what <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean william... you don't watch anything with william defoe <laughs> I just don't more like Willem Defriend. I love yeah, him. Exactly. Yeah. No. Icon. Love oh, him. No, D friend. One of the uh, best <laughs> actors I think of all time. Um yeah, I, don't, what you... I don't know. I think it's just because I never don't see him as uh I again. got one. Yeah. And nice. um, <laughs> also whenever I watch something with him, I just like don't like the movie usually. So you know what you know hold on i have a thought and i need to say before i forget you know what it is about ken is i feel like everything that's been coming out has been disappointing me so much that i don't want to look forward to anything because it's just gonna grow the disappointment and i'm tired of it so like when all the can movies like come out i'll go and watch them but i do not want to build any hype up around them because i will just be disappointed like after the year that 2019 was and all the good stuff that I enjoyed, 2020 and 2021 has just like majorly, majorly going downhill, destroying my love of film. I like only watch shit for the podcast right now and Supernatural. Like I can't do it anymore. I like, I can't look forward to things. It's not working. So then we looked back to my birthday movie. <laughs> well, I need to say my thing first. Thank you for trying to just overlook me again. Oh, Very- I- running theme today um i thought that was cute well okay it might have been cute it but was it wasn't your turn so <laughs> that's my birthday a, i can have whatever turn river. i want oh, i know why you thought you were out of order the fucking bench was already setting in um getting up there in age uh i'll quickly go so then we can use that transition paul uh i i'm a big fan <laughs> of animated movies i will say most of the reactions were not good most films apparently were not that good so i really wasn't like jealous anyone got to see these films because they were all kind of like whatever 
Um, I am excited for the animated films. The two were Belle from Marmada Hosta and then what's the name of it? Um, oh God, probably should have had this up before I started speaking. The Summit of the Gods. Both of those got good reviews. Great reviews. Mar- uh, Belle got fucking 14 minute standing applause, which is one of like the biggest, I think the biggest of this year's can. Even though I don't necessarily like the director, I like animated films. So I'm excited for those. Um, Paul, you already have tried to introduce us to introduce you've already tried to go into your film so you might as well introduce this week's clappercast film spotlight what did we choose this week for your birthday i chose uh the cook the thief his wife and her lover it's directed by peter greenway and stars helen mirren um peter greenway was a painter first and then decided to direct a movie and he's done a bunch, but uh, this is like the uh, the most well-known. Um, and I remember it was one of the first movies that I watched that I realized that movies I had not heard of also are good. And I know that sounds stupid, but you do get this kind of situation where it's like, you like this movie, you like Tarantino, you like, you know, um, Hitchcock, you know, like there's Truffaut, there's certain people that you just know of and those are the good movies there's fun movies but there's good movies and then i went and watched this and i was like this is fantastic um the most interesting thing about the movie is that each room is a color and all of the characters outfits and everything about the rooms change to that color so in the bathroom it's white um helen mirren will be wearing a white outfit when she moves out to the red main room it's the same outfit in red uh, it's just genius um it's john paul gautier outfits they're all amazing um and it, it's also a really interesting you know kind of takedown of the the wealthy um and you know there's uh, interpretations that helen mirren is supposed to be playing britain um and it kind of just a really great film and i love it and i'm glad that uh we got to watch it because i enjoy watching it every time yeah i didn't even hear about this film before i knew you um just never heard about the film and like i was blown away by this because obviously you kept talking about this and you love it and you want to do this for a long time and like not to say you have bad opinions because i don't think you do genuinely but like you don't always have the same opinions that i do so I wasn't necessarily even like that anticipated for this, even knowing you loved it. And then I was blown away by this. Fucking Helen Mirren is like incredible in this. The visuals you mentioned, incredible. The supporting actor who plays her husband, I don't remember his name, but like incredible all around. You, you know who it is, right? Who? It's Dumbledore. It's Michael, oh. it's Michael Gambon. It's Dumbledore well, from okay. the Harry Potter movies, which uh, is like, <laughs> to me, cool. I remember watching it and I was like, is that fucking Dumbledore? <laughs> <laughs> he lived a very weird life before he went to hogwarts um yeah <laughs> but mm-hmm. oh, that's funny i do like harry potter i, I didn't grow up with them though so i don't really have like know the actors but um you know i i was genuinely very blown away by this film i thought this was close to a masterpiece and i would rewatch it easily so well done paul i i approve of your opinion i guess <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah I feel the same way it was like I'd also never heard of this Paul was like forcing us with like a gun to our heads to watch this for his birthday and I was like okay I'll make this a priority considering we have such a huge watch time this week 
I watched it first so I would be like fresh and like not tainted by all the other shit we watched um this movie is like fucking disgusting in such a good way like it is such like a feast I was eating sushi while I was watching this and I had to stop <laughs> like it is so like repulsive but like I mean all those like disgusting words in a really good way like I don't it's like one of those movies that is really like hard to describe but like everything about it just like works so well and like the ending just like really fucking shook me it's it's great Paul's right yeah and it's um you know there's like that uh old site that was called every frame of painting and I that's how this movie feels to me though um, his old like painter aspects and he would do like kind of renaissance style painting um, it really like shows through in this and every frame just kind of does feel like there's uh, it's a painting there's even things like Alina mentioned like really disgusting things and you're like horrifying but also really beautiful how they you know how the camera set how the set design's done and I kind of wish that uh, more directors cared about that kind of stuff I feel like we've gotten so stylistic and it's like you know not even if we're stylistic uh it always feels like the same style going back to something like uh gunpowder milkshake and this just feels like it's so him uh I've watched a couple more of his movies and all of them kind of had that feel of just like this is definitely a Peter Greenaway movie it's weird it kind of leaves you uncomfortable the whole time it's great I mean, let's just be like really honest. Like, when was the last time a film was wide released that was this good? Like, we talk about cinema sucks right now. And yeah. it's like maybe The Father, The Father might be up there, but other than The Father, I can't think of one since. Yeah. And it's, you know, I do think that the um, BFI is really good at um, helping to fund these kind of movies. Um, which is, you know, something that we don't have in the U.S., um, which is why, you know, our movies are either cheap indies or, you know, more boring films. But yeah, it's it's definitely like the first movie that I remember watching in college that I was like, wow, I can find movies that are great. And it kind of got me on my whole journey. That's where the ego came from. There, there We found it. No, no, no. It was like, I really remember... He said, I can find the good movies. No one else can. I will. I don't even know why. I would love to go back to that period because I could not tell you how I found this. Like it later became one of those movies that I'd like heard of um, through other things, but it may have been honestly. Um, oh, actually I do know. 1001 Movies had it and uh, that you must see before you die. And I was like, I have never heard of this. So I went and grabbed it from our school library and I was just sitting there just like in awe good times so yeah that was my movie you watch it i would recommend it uh that's going to do it for this episode of Clappercast. let's end has how we always do with our recommendations for the week um i will start us off per usual and i haven't watched a lot uh, other than canned stuff and what we're doing here but one night my my wi-fi went out so i only had what was well i had all my physical media swear to god i thought pocket. you were saying my wife <laughs> <laughs> 
and I like dropped my phone. <laughs> so one Very night my similar. wife and I was like, oh. <laughs> you did a full Britney Spears finding Ryan Seacrest was not gay. No, I am gay though. Uh, so I don't have a wife. I'm also just probably too young to have a wife. Anyway, side point why I don't have a wife. Um, my Wi-Fi went out. So I was left with the only thing downloaded on my computer was Paranorman, which I hadn't seen before because I downloaded it in case I, when I was on an airplane recently and I didn't end up watching it. Um, I've kind of been making my way through the Leica films um, that I haven't seen. And I really was surprised by this one. It's not like amazing or anything, but it's like a really fun little zombie animated feature. I think there's so much personality in these earlier Leica films that like Missing Link and even Kubo really kind of feels like they're missing. There's just like a grit to them. I found the characters to be really fun. Again, it's really simple. It's like definitely for kids, but like I had a lot of fun with it. So I guess my recommendation this week is Paranorman. Um, Paul, what's your recommendation this week? Um, my recommendation, I think I'm going to check just to see because I don't want to do that thing where, yeah, it's probably what's going to happen. Is it not going to okay, be so... the thing that you talk about all week? You've talked about how much you liked it. Well, no, uh, I'm going to start with Becky, um, okay. which is the, uh, it was a movie that came out last year. It's a, um, horror film starring Kevin James and I was really sure it was going to be terrible. And it's actually pretty fun. Um, definitely had the same vibes of uh, the Fear Street movies in that, like, the violence was over the top. But the kills are great in this. Like, I, I'm always down for a good crazy kill that's just like, oh, but, like, not disgusting. This was great for that. Um, so I would recommend that. But as to Carson's point, um, I... I'm loving the white Lotus. Uh, I was not expecting to, and it's actually really fantastic. It's basically just a uh, satire of rich people trying to escape their problems and bringing them with them. And there's a mystery to the whole thing uh, that they do a flash forward and, you know, introduce some stuff, but it's really well done and all the cast is really good i was expecting to hate it and i'm loving it and i think it's going to end up being like a big thing later so like get on board quick um uh, jennifer coolidge is in it and i haven't seen her dramatically act before i don't count um promising young woman but she really is trying to become a uh you know more refined actress later in life and i'm really excited for it she's really good in this um she has a lot of scenes with natasha rothwell and they just work uh so much of this show just works in weird weird ways like i'm usually one that i know what the end of a scene's going to be uh when the scene starts and i get a little bored of it there are multiple times in this that i've been truly shocked by the way that uh this turns so it's really fun and i think you should watch it Good to hear. We might be covering that on the podcast. We will see. I know Paul really wants to. So we are. Stay listening. Oh, I guess we are. Okay, stay tuned. Yeah. No, um, Alina, what's your recommendation this week? I actually prepared one. It's not like new for me. Um, I have two, actually. I so The new season of Never Have I Ever came out on Netflix on Thursday, I think. I watched the whole thing in a day. It's great. It's like Mindy Kaling's um newest show um and it's like this whole like teenage um deranged messy love story thing 
or love triangle i freaking love this show like i just really love seeing like brown girls on screen and never have i ever just like really like hit that like need for me it's just really funny it's unhinged Debbie as like a main character is like the messiest bitch I've ever seen in my life I love her it's great you should check it out because like the episodes are only like 20 minutes and the season is only like 10 episodes long so you could just watch it in like a day and it doesn't have to be like a whole thing um the other one I have is like a docu-series that I watched on the like WWE network on over the weekend I watched it's called Undertaker's Last Ride and like it was actually really good I had a great time watching it um, it like follows the last like few years of like Undertaker's career and like I feel like even if you like don't know wrestling he's like one of the most like iconic characters in it like everybody loves him he's like when you think of like professional wrestling people like often think of like the Undertaker um, and so like I quit watching wrestling regularly so it was very interesting for me to like what is like happening now that I don't watch it like regularly anymore and like just see how like it all like panned out and his like struggle of like whether he like should retire and like whether to keep going because like it's such a thing that wrestlers have to like oh just like one more match one more match like that one was great I can do like one more or that one was terrible I have to do like one more to make up for it I don't know like it's just really well done I had a good time watching it and it really like hit me in my heart so I don't know if you like wrestling there's a lot of cool shit on the WWE network you know, good which I know is available now on Peacock because I keep getting advertisements for it if you're in the U.S. at least um I remember they were nice. really pushing that one in the fall it was the only like FYC WWE thing I've ever gotten but they were like kept sending FYCs and like oh watch it please watch it like it's really good so it's good to hear. Apparently, I mean, if they're advertising it to people who are non-wrestler, non-wrestling fans, I assume they have faith in it to hold up for those audiences. So yeah, you can fully enjoy it as a non-wrestling fan for sure. I have, I have a third recommendation. Oh, back um, to Paul. Uh, well, no, I was just thinking when you just said the WWE Network. Um, this is not specifically for like film people, but just in general, um, the Discovery Plus is a surprising surprisingly good uh streaming network um i especially for like when the dream of streaming back when netflix first came out was that you would never have to like watch commercials just to watch like dumb shows and then it quickly became like original content and stuff like that which is still great but it's like it's a different thing than just like being able to binge like the crappy shows that you love Discovery is actually that. Discovery Plus is literally like, you want 10,000 episodes of House Hunters? Here they are, bitch. It's like, uh, I said to my friend, and she was like, why are there so many seasons of 90 Day Fiance? And why do I have to watch them all? Um, Like, it's kind of great. Um, So in terms of like, if you're looking for one that you can like put on when you're, you know, cleaning your room or whatever, like that kind of thing, it's great. Um, and so I just recommend, like, if you're kind of broke and need stuff to put on, it's kind of the best one, especially for cable cutters. I think it's the closest to I can cut cable from this. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so I do like how one of your recommendations was an entire streaming service, but you know, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, this is just a recommendation for the people, not oh, like a the, recommend for the fans. It's like, 
that's for them. No, it's just like it's like oh. a, a hey, I found out this was cool. Also, I think it's about to be added to HBO Max. Um, so I'm hoping for that because I don't want to pay another seven dollars. Oh, that's the other thing. It's seven dollars. Yeah. It's like nothing. It's um also uses the same interface. It reminds me a lot of Disney Plus. It's weird because it uses the same interface as Disney Plus. It oh, seems. it definitely does. That makes sense. Yeah, it, but it, it's only seven dollars. It's, it's same. That's the same thing Disney Plus did because I used the free trial for it because I wanted to check out a few things on there. But whatever, maybe it's worth re-ordering uh, if it comes to HBO Max. Though that'd be great. Um, so with that, let's go around and say our social media handles and let's go on and get out of here. Alina, where can we find you on social media? I am at Alina Falds on every. Thing on Twitter, Letterbox, and Instagram. Um, I also do podcast research for the Not Having It All podcast by Rand Pictures, and I do like other volunteering stuff for them. And yeah, our film festival, Women X, is happening, I think the first weekend of September. Um, I don't think the tickets are open yet, but I will let you guys know when that happens. But I think the press accreditation is open. So if you want to write about short films directed by women, you should apply to that. And that's what I do. Sounds great. Paul, where can I find you on social media? Uh, at Price Like Tag on Letterboxd and Twitter. Um, I got drunk last night and used Twitter for the first time, like tweeting out a tweet. It got zero likes. So, you know, I'm really a social media icon at this point. Well, you can find me on Twitter at PP at BP underscore movie reviews. Letterbox Carson Tamar would highly recommend following me. I, me and Alina, I would say great on Letterbox. Definitely follow us. Um, me specifically, though, I would promote. So, you know, definitely follow me on Letterbox. Um, and you can find all the latest in film and television reviewed at www.clapperltd.co.uk. We have podcasts. We're on every single social media thing imaginable. We have a Patreon. We just posted our new classic Clappercast for the month. Um, there is a nine-minute segment where we eat pies. And it, I know that's probably not a great selling point. But, you know, if, if you're into that type of thing, we're giving you the content. So we do have that. Um, and thank you for, so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, new episodes release every single Wednesday. Goodbye.